detours in the family journey. That's kind of the tagline, and I believe that we're all on some sort of detours. But usually in the church, when we talk about family, we usually think about the normative, nuclear, biblical family. What do you picture when you think of family or you talk about family in a church? Usually you picture a man and a woman. You picture two and a half biological kids. You picture them uh, eating a vegan meal, singing Kumbaya, and doing a Bible study after dinner, and then jumping in a minivan to drive to oldest son's hockey practice. That's kind of what you think about when you think about family, right? Or at least in the church, sometimes we talk about family, and that's, that's the picture we paint. But the reality is that is not the real picture of most families here and now, and even in biblical times. Now, the reality is that most of us have an ideal for what our family life should look like, or what we want it to look like, or what we would hope that it looks like. And the other reality is that most of us are aware that we are probably not living the ideal that we set for our family life. We don't have the story that we wish we had, or we are not creating the scenario that we wish we should create, or we think we should be creating, or we wish we created. And although that's true, that we have this picture of an ideal family, or at least some people paint this picture of an ideal family, and, and, and there is some ideals to strive towards, right? There, there, there are things that are better for us than other things. So those there are those ideals, a lot of us are living on a detour. And the question that a lot of us have while we're living on a detour is, what is God's best for me on my detour. You see, we can talk about what God's best is and paint this picture, but if you're not living in that, if that's not your circumstance, then the question is, does God have something for me? Is there, is there a good for me? Is there an ideal for me? Is there a God's best for me? If it doesn't look like that thing that has been described. And you have to know something at Renew. Here's a conviction that we have, and uh, I believe you should have as well. We believe at Renew that God wants to meet every single one of us exactly where we are at, no matter where it is that we are at. We believe that. We believe that God wants to meet you and your family exactly where you're at, regardless of the history, regardless of the background, regardless of the circumstances you're in. We believe that. We believe that that's what God models for us in Jesus Christ, and we also believe that that's the picture he displays in his word that God is prepared to meet you exactly where you're at, as you are. You don't have to become something or strive towards something in order for God to meet you. He wants you exactly as you are, who you are today. And it's from that conviction that we believe um, God takes us and changes us and renews us. It's actually why we're called Renew Church. We're not, uh, it's, not just a, it's not just a trendy name. The idea with Renew Church is there's, there's actually something happening. It's an action, right? You're being renewed. That's, that's the picture. And when we say Renew Cambridge, it's not just a name of a community in a space. It's actually, we believe that that's what God is doing with and through you and, and with and through me. We believe that through our personal in, in, uh, renewal by God that he's actually going to change the communities that we live in and impact the families that we have for ourselves. And so we actually believe that. We're convicted by that, which is why we're doing a series on the family the way that we're doing a series. Because the truth is, like I said, that most of us are not where we're at or, we're, or where we think we should be at, but most of us know or believe or hope that God has something for us where we are at and wants to transform us and renew us into something. So throughout the series, we're going to look at a few different things. We're going to look at 
what it means to be a family with people in your family who have disabilities that, that they don't have control over or they may have had control over. It's just it's a circumstance they're in right now where they, they, there's disabilities present in the families. We're going to look at single parenthood. We're going to look at divorce. We're going to look at infertility and miscarriage. It's, it's pretty regular for families to be living with the weight of a miscarriage or infertility, and we're going to talk about that because it's a detour that a lot of us are on. And today, what we're talking about is the topic of blended families. And so in order to talk about that, I'm going to define what a blended family is, and we're going to look at what we think God has to say about it. So what a blended family is for our purposes this morning is we're talking about a relationship between two people where at least one of the partners is bringing in children from a previous relationship to the family. Now, I'll be upfront with you guys, and I don't say this to brag. Um, I have no first or second-hand experience with the blended family. Uh, my both sets of grandparents on both sides uh, are, were married until one of them passed, and then the other one, they're still married 55 years. And then all their biological kids who did get married and have kids are still married, and the one who didn't stay married never had kids. And then in my family, I have two biological siblings and my biological parents who've been married for over 30 years. And I'm married with one biological child. So I say that to say I am an odd person who doesn't have any blended family experience in my life. I don't have any uh, history of it. I haven't even seen it firsthand. I've experienced it through youth ministry and seeing it second or thirdhand, kind of just being someone to serve people in that way, but not firsthand. So I don't really know a lot about it. But I don't come up here and talk to you as though someone who knows a lot about this. Uh, what we've done with this series, because we're talking about some pretty sensitive and difficult topics and conversations, is I've sought the wisdom of three or four different families in our church who are blended families, who either come from blended families who are our blended families. And so what you're going to hear this afternoon, I have to keep catching myself there, what you're going to hear this afternoon is you're actually going to hear the wisdom of blended families in our church. And I'm hopefully going to be uh, a wise mouthpiece for them. I want to honor them and what they have communicated and what they have said is practical insight and wisdom for living blended family life and then how we as a church can actually serve and minister to blended families. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do three things. We're going to look at the reality of blended families. We're going to hear from blended families what the reality is that they're living with. We're going to look at God's word and see if he has any wisdom or insight on blended families. And then we're going to talk about how blended families can respond to God's word for them and how we as a church can respond to blended families together as a community, as one big blended family. That's what we're going to do. So in order to do that, let's look at some of the realities. The first thing I want to say to frame this whole conversation is that blended families are still families and they shouldn't be seen as anything different than non-blended families. Blended families are families. They're not a different kind of family. They are families. They face all the same challenges as nuclear families. They have all the same hopes and dreams and goals as a nuclear family does. They have very similar challenges to a nuclear family. They have the same capacity for love that a nuclear family has. And I want to make sure we frame everything in that context. At the same time, blended families do have unique challenges, or the challenges that a family has are often heightened in a blended family scenario. So I'm going to share some of those things with you. And the point isn't for you to remember all these things. The point is for you to feel it. The goal is for you to understand it and feel it and see and experience through feeling the emotion that some blended families experience and some of the weight that they're carrying that you may not be, depending on your situation. 
And most of that comes in raising children. Most of that comes, and the difficulties come through raising children. And so a couple things to think about when it comes to blended families. Think about this if you have children. It's already hard to have face time with your kids. Most of us, if I ask you the question, how you're doing, you're going to answer busy. And then if you have teenage kids, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, you're going to answer really busy. And then I'm going to ask you how your relationship with your teenage child's going, and you're going to say, they're really busy, and I don't get to see them much. The reality is that most of us have difficult time having FaceTime with our own families, with our own kids, with the distractions of YouTube and video games for older kids, with all the activities for kids, with our work schedules and our commuting, especially where we live here in the GTA. A lot of us struggle with FaceTime with our family. Now imagine cutting that in half. Imagine having half of that right off the top. You can imagine the challenge for a blended family to have intimacy with their family. Arranging and organizing pickups and drop-offs with biological counterparts. Think about all the driving around that you're already doing, all the activities you're already involved in, and then try coordinating with an ex-partner of yours, pickups and drop-offs, multiple ones of them in a week. It's very difficult to manage your own calendar, let alone your spouse's calendar, let alone organize around your ex-spouse's calendar and your stepchildren's calendar or children that might be in the other home. It's very difficult. It's a big challenge that a lot of blended families have. Think about this for a sec. You have a hard time if you have kids. If you don't, you will. You have a hard time establishing boundaries and rules and values in your own home. When your kids are young, it's a little bit easier, but as they grow up, they're exploring and they're learning to challenge. And so for those of you who have kids who are getting older, you know how hard it is to establish rules and boundaries and values in your own home and to instill them into your children. Now imagine that your child is spending half their amount of time in another home, in another scenario, with another family who has a different set of rules, a different set of boundaries, a different set of values. You can see how that would be an immense challenge to you. Think about trying to earn the respect of your kids who are biologically yours. Kids are, um, as they grow up in your home, especially the earlier years, zero to four are the most formative years to build and instill an errant trust in their parents. And if they miss that window, if a step-parent missed that window, you can imagine how much harder it would be to build and establish trust with your children or your step-children. That's a massive challenge that blended families have they're constantly not just, not just fighting for trust from their kids with a blank slate. They're actually starting with a dirty slate. They're starting without all of the other, um, all of the foundations that biological parents start with. And they're often starting in a place that's, that, that the ex is working against them. And so there is a dirty slate that they're working with. It's not a clean slate. And so they're constantly fighting to earn trust and respect from their children. You can think of sibling rivalry between stepchildren. It's far more likely in a blended family scenario. Think about this for a second. Uh, this is, somebody shared this with me, and I'm just sharing it with you. Um, a step-parent has a harder time loving their uh, stepchildren uh, compared to their biological children. That's the reality. It's harder to do that. It's harder to share the same love for your stepchildren uh, in comparison to your biological children. Can you imagine living in a home where there's an imbalance of love between kids? It's a massive challenge that step families and blended families have. And we have to see that. We have to experience that. We have to understand that. And if you're not facing that now, I hope that you're paying attention because you're going to. You're going to experience it. You're going to face it as you grow older. Open communication in blended families is far more difficult 
The reason it's far more difficult is because if you reach a level of intimacy and openness, what you're usually met with is a lot of hurt and blame. And when you're met with a lot of hurt and blame that's necessary, that's coming out of the honesty and the openness, it hurts a lot. It's a lot harder to deal with. It's a lot more weight to carry. These are what blended families deal with. Do you feel that? I don't know if you've experienced that in your own life. I don't know if you come from a blended family, if you've seen blended families, or you have one yourself, but can you feel the difference? And for those of you who grew up kind of like me without that kind of scenario, it's a drastic difference from where I grew up and how I grew up. And when I start to feel it, it gives me empathy and understanding for people who grow up much like that. The reason why we're talking about nuclear families here at church, and I know this is a smaller crowd and this is typically a younger crowd and there's maybe only kind of four sets of kids that are represented here, but the reality is that we're growing up in a space and in a community where, nuclear, where blended families will be as normative as nuclear families. They already almost are. So almost 50% of kids have experience in a blended family or a single parent home in comparison to a nuclear family scenario. So we're talking about it because it's real. And if it's not real to you yet, it will be real to you or you'll be really close to it being real. And so the question that we had then is, we're a church, right? We ask, what does God have to say about this? What is the wisdom that we have on this specific topic? And what I thought to do first was look to see if there's any examples in the Bible, places that we can go, stories we can read that would give us insight on what God would say about blended families through an actual blended family in the scriptures. I don't know if you know about this, but Jesus was kind of part of a blended family, right? Joseph wasn't his biological dad, Somebody said that. I thought, okay, okay, I don't know what I can learn from that, but maybe that's something. You've, you look at Jacob and his story. He's got 12 sons, which are the 12 tribes of Israel, with four different women. So I don't, I don't even know what you'd call that. That's like an ultra-blended family. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. what. Is there something to learn there? Is there something specifically talked about there? I'm not that sure. What you can kind of take from it maybe is that God obviously cares about using blended families as much as he cares about using every other kind of family. It's a pretty significant families that were used in the whole narrative of Scripture, and they weren't, quote-unquote, what we would talk about as kind of the normative. But I don't know how helpful that is. Maybe it is. Maybe that is encouraging to you. I don't know how helpful that is. But here's the insight that one of the families shared with me that I thought was really, really helpful insight. And the insight is this. The church is one big blended family. The church is technically one big blended family. Now, before I lose you, I don't want to lose you here because I don't want to downplay what we're talking about. I don't want to downplay people's experiences of blended families. But the church is, in a sense, one big blended family, and let me convince you of that. The whole narrative of Scripture is it starts with God, a creator, Yahweh. We've talked about him a little bit. I think you guys talked about him at Cambridge a few months ago as well. Hopefully you're talking about him on a weekly basis. <laughs> you can sing to him. Um, so Yahweh, there's a creator God, and, and this creator God made everything, and some things happened that were not good, and so God had to rescue this creation back to how he always intended it to be. He, he wanted to restore it. And the way that this God went and did this, according to the narrative of Scripture, the way that this God went and did this is he chose a family. He actually chose a family. He chose a person, Abraham, and he chose his seed, his family, his offspring, to be his family, to be his, the chosen family, the primary family, the single family unit that God would ultimately use to carry out his plans and purposes to redeem the whole world. 
It's what the whole, tes- the whole Old Testament is, is, is a family of God, i.e. Israel, figuring out how to be the family of God and perform their role as the family of God. That's how they thought of themselves. They thought of themselves as uniquely chosen family of God, that God was their father, not anybody else's. He was their father, and they were his children. Then Jesus comes along, and he was always part of the plan, but the plan all along was ultimately to include everybody into that family. Israel kind of got that messed up sometimes. They forgot that, but that was the plan. God was very clear about that from the get-go, and so what ended up happening through Jesus, and we won't explain all the mechanics of that, but through Jesus, all of a sudden, there is a blending of a family. There's Israel, the family of God, the original family of God, and then the Gentiles, everybody else included into the family of God. Now, you can imagine the challenge that that would be. You're talking about a group of people who had a lot of clear sets of boundaries and rules and expectations, ways to live, customs to live by, and all of a sudden they're joined with a pagan group of people who have totally different lifestyles, who have totally different sets of boundaries, totally different values, totally different beliefs about the world, about the nature of humankind, about spirituality. They've got all these different ideas. And now all of a sudden they are welcomed into and included into the family of God through Jesus. Again, we won't go into the mechanics of how that works, but it was clearly a challenge. And we know it was a challenge because the Apostle Paul in the New Testament spends most of his time writing letters to these new families, these new groups of people that are all of a sudden this blended family saying, this is how you get along. Paul's primary focus in the New Testament, you hear all these theological things that he focused on and he does talk about all these kinds of things, but his primary focus was, you're Jews and you're Gentiles, this is how you become family. This is how you live as family. This is what it means now to be the family of God, the big blended family of God. That's the story of the Bible. That's the, that's the narrative of Scripture. And that's kind of what they were living in. That's kind of what we were living in. And when someone turned me on to this, a, a father of a blended family said, you should think about it that way. I thought it was really, really helpful. And so he quoted a text. And I'm going to give you that text today. And in this text, there's just going to be, it's a small text. There's so many things that we could say about it because there's so many writings on this. But there's kind of four principles, at least from this small text. And the point of this is for you to see that the church is a blended family of God and that the truths and the principles that should be applied to the church figuring out how to get along as a big mixed group of people are very applicable to blended families. And if you're in one, a part of one, or you have one yourself, I hope that these are helpful principles for you. The text that we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 to 7. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, "'Always be humble and gentle.'" Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Principle number one, at least from that text that I'm seeing, and just a reminder, this is Paul writing to the blended family of God saying, Jews and Gentiles, you got to get along, and you're being divided here, and you got to become one, you got to be united. So the first principle that I see is at the beginning there, it says, always be humble and gentle. 
And I think we're all aware that any family scenario, any relational scenario, requires humility and gentleness. In a blended family, it requires it even more. In talking with these blended families, you hear a lot of hurt, and you hear a lot of things that are said out of hurt. And you hear a lot of things that are said that are negative out of hurt and out of pain. Humility and gentleness is something that can bring a blended family together, or the lack of it is something that can split a blended family apart. The opposite of those is harshness and ego. I'm right, and everything they do on that side of the aisle is wrong. I did it right. I made all the right moves. I made all the right decisions. Our way is the better way. Their way is not. That would be the opposite of humility, and gentleness is doing that with harshness. So humility and gentleness is something that Paul suggested to the church. Look, if you guys are going to figure out how to get along as Jews and Gentiles, humility and gentleness is something that we, as well, in our blended family scenarios, can learn to apply and focus primarily on in order to get along as the Wood family and the blank family. Humility and gentleness. The second one is patience and allowance of fault. We saw there in verse 20 to 21. It says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. The reality is everybody lives with faults. We all have our own faults. We all struggle with things. We all make mistakes. We all have ideas about things that are wrong. We all have perspectives of things that aren't the best perspective. We all have ways of doing the dishes that aren't the best way of doing the dishes. We, we all have our faults. And we even have our own sin. We even, have, we even bring into a family our own sinfulness, our own mistakes, our own ways that we hurt one another because we're going against God's plans. We all have that. The difficulty in a blended family scenario is a lot of times you don't necessarily have the same level of control to correct it as you used to when your family was a single family unit. Like we said earlier, it's difficult when there's one parent who has one set of rules and another parent who has another set of standards and boundaries. Especially in a blended family scenario, there's a lot more allowance of faults because guess what? You don't have the control that you would have if your whole family was under one roof living together. It's different when you're a parent in that situation compared to a parent who doesn't have that same level of control. So there's a lot more patience and there's a lot more allowing of faults. It's no longer under your ability and authority. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean putting up with sinful behavior or abusive behavior. That's obvious. But most of the frustrations in blended family scenarios are a matter of difference of opinion or frustrations about scheduling or ways that they are. They're not necessarily a matter of hurt or abuse or anything like that most of the time. And the ones that aren't, you kind of have to be a lot more patient and give them that. Allow them their faults. People have their faults. We all have our faults. And the same is true with your stepchildren. Stepchildren come into your home and they have their faults. One of the families actually said this. They said, they said um, my stepsons came into my home and started to live as though they weren't in my home. And they started to act in the way as though it was their home, not my home. And I had standards, and I tried to enforce them, and that did not help their relationship. The person whose home it was had to step back and allow their stepchildren their own faults in order to establish relationship, build relationship, and trust with them. It took a lot of patience 
on their behalf, when it wouldn't be necessarily wrong for them to establish their boundaries, their values, their rules. But the wisdom was to be patient and to allow faults for the sake of relationship. So that's the second thing. The third thing is to be united with peace. In verse 22 to 23, it says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Here's the reality. Blended families, especially kids living in blended families, are experiencing a lot more chaos than they are peace. The world is chaotic, and their home can be quite chaotic. Our homes are quite chaotic. My home is quite chaotic, and I have a one-year-old who doesn't really do anything but make us laugh and let us take videos of her. That's what she does, it's, and it's chaotic, right? You can imagine the chaos that kids are living in. The wisdom for blended families is to be agents of peace, and especially for step-parents. If you ever find yourself being a step-parent or you are a step-parent, one of the quickest ways to a relationship with your stepchildren is be the most peaceful person in a home. Be the person who fights for peace, the person who cares the most about peace. I've said this before that I think Paul more than anything cared about unity in the church and peace and being one, one together that matter to him more than anything. You can have your differences, but being peacefully united was more important to him than anything else, and I think he knew the power of that. It's true in our church, peace in our church, unity in our church with diversity, but unity in our churches is what's going to be powerful and is going to allow us to move in one direction together and actually see change happen in our lives and in our communities. And that's true in our homes. It actually starts in our homes. So being agents of peace and pursuing unity above everything else is the quickest way to establish relationship with your kids, healthy relationship with your kids, and it's what God wants for our blended families and our families in general. And the fourth is this, celebrate differences. It says in verse 24 to 25, says, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and through all. So there's one God, right? We're all on the same team. We're all part of the same family. He is our Father. He's your Father. He's my Father. He's everyone's Father, God. However, He's given each of us a special gift through generosity in Christ. We're all uniquely gifted. We all bring different things to the table. And the reality is that your ex so-and-so actually brings good things to the table. Your stepfather, with all the rubbish that he brings, actually has good things to bring to the table. Your ex's new fiancé has good things to bring to the table. We all have things to bring. We all have unique gifts that we can bless our families and our communities with. And so to be the most encouraging person in the home and to celebrate the differences is what I think will bring life to blended families. The challenge with blended families is that everything feels so negative all the time. There's so much frustration, concern, hurt, and negativity. And looking at the bright side of things and calling out the good in people and their giftedness and their abilities. I was saying this to one step-parent. We were talking about it. And they were talking about how the times that they find the most success in their relationship with their stepkids is when they're just encouraging them. Their kids just light up. You want a relationship with stepchildren, or you want to encourage people to have a relationship with stepchildren, be the most encouraging person in their life. Be the one who sees the good and calls out the good. So the four principles for all relationships, but especially blended families this morning, 
is humility and gentleness, patience and allowance for faults, seeking unity and peace first and foremost, and celebrating differences. And I believe if we focus on these things, we can start to see transformation happen in the blended families that are connected to our communities, connected to our lives, and we can see a richness of life and relationship in our families and in our blended families. Now then the question is, what can we do as a church to support blended families? Because you may not come from one and you may not be living in one, but you have a role to play. You are part of this renewal journey. So as a church, here are a few things that are coming from blended families that you can do as a follower of Jesus, to support and to care for blended families. The first is don't judge them all the same. Each circumstance is unique. I'll be honest with you guys. When I used to think about blended families, I used to assume that it was the result of two parents' irresponsibility. I would think they got divorced because this person was irresponsible and sinful, and this person was irresponsible. So I, that's extreme. I never really thought that way. Like, I didn't really communicate that, and it wasn't like that extreme. But the assumption was, and I don't know about you, but the assumption for me is they're a blended family because of brokenness, because of sin of parents. That's what I used to think. As I started to talk to blended families and get to know them, I started to realize every circumstance is unique. And sometimes there are circumstances where somebody's initial family was broken up because of their sinfulness. Actually, a lot of times that happens. In the same way that you sin in your own ways and you hurt your loved ones in certain ways, sometimes that creates some sort of permanent division. That happens. So this is a reality. But every circumstance is a little bit different. And as I was talking to them, I got four different stories from four different families of what led to their blending family. Sometimes it's a death in the family. Sometimes it's an unfaithful spouse on the other side that they have no control over. Sometimes there's real difficult things that are happening that the best thing was to get out of that relationship and protect the family. That happens. So allow each blended family to share their own story and listen to their story, give them the benefit of that, and trust them. That's the wisdom. Don't judge them all the same. Each circumstance is unique. The second piece of wisdom for us in dealing with blended families, supporting blended families, and caring for them is we should provide extra support for blended families. As a youth pastor of 11 years, the families that I needed to support the most were blended families. The families that needed my care the most were blended families and single parenthood families. That's the reality. The ones who would call me late at night, the ones who would ask to spend extra time with their kids were kids who were from single parent homes or blended families. The reality is that we as a church need to lend more support to blended families. We need to be thinking about them in a deeper way, caring for them in a better way, prioritizing care for them, and sacrificing more for them. It's important that we pay attention to that and care about that and focus on that. There's simple things, like you can offer extra rides, right? You can offer extra rides to blended families. You can be the one who calls them up and says, hey, do you mind? I can take your kids. I can drive them. I'll do, I'll do that extra work. I know a lot of weight is on your shoulders. You can support in that way. You can be encouraging in other ways. You can show extra grace to their kids. You can speak positively on their behalf. I found my job so often as a youth pastor was to speak positively about parents and step-parents. It was my job. I just had to constantly and consistently be speaking positively and speaking lovingly and speaking life about parents and step-parents to help establish trust as a way to support them. The third way to support them was to treat them as equal. Look, like we said, 
Blended families are families, and we need to treat them like they're equal. The reality is most of them are carrying a lot more shame and guilt than other family scenarios are, but they are families, and they need to be treated like equal. They need to be cared for. They need, to be, um, they need relationship to be built with them. They need to be included in the family activities. They need to be treated like friends. Here's a reality, and this is something, honestly, I never overtly thought, but I kind of had in the back of my mind, I'd sometimes think, well, if you only have your kids half the time, you're kind of like half a parent. You're like, you're only doing it part-time, right? Blended family parents, they're, they're doing this full-time. It's not part-time. It's not a break from their kids. When their kids aren't actually in their home, it's harder for them than when, it is, when they are in their home. So seeing them as equal families, but understanding that they are full-time parents with a little bit of extra weight and responsibility, it's a little bit more difficult. And the fourth thing, and I think this is important, Challenge them in love. Challenge them in love. Here's the reality. We all need people to challenge us in love. We all need people to call things out in us. People who are actual family, who love us, to say, I don't know if I would talk about them that way. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would think about it like that. I, I would try to focus on this, or I, I, would try to, I, would, I would try to prioritize that. Blended families, they communicate, they feel like they're walking on eggshells sometimes. They feel like they're acting in certain ways that their church family feels like they can't, they can't address them like they would address somebody else, and that's not the reality. They need to be challenged in love in the same way. If you hear them talking negatively about something, slandering, gossiping, it's so easy to do when you're living with so much pain and hurt. They want you to call them on it. They want to be held to the same standard that you and I are held to, as followers of Jesus, and they want to hold their families to the same standard that all of our families are held to. And they don't want a break from that. They want to be called to that. They want to be challenged in that and loved towards that. Those are the things that we can do as a church. This is how we can love blended families well. There's so many more things, but I hope this opens up the conversation for you and blended families. Here's the reality, and I want to finish with this. I want blended families to know with confidence that God wants to use them just as they are that God wants to build his kingdom through transforming their lives, their family lives, and ultimately using them to be a blessing and a testimony to their community. I'm going to say that again. I think it's important, and I think you need to hear this as well for yourself. God wants to use you just as you are to build his kingdom through transforming your life and your family's life in such a way that you are a testimony and a blessing to your community. That's what he wants to do with you, and that's what he wants to do with blended families. Something you can do this week, and I challenge you to do it this week, and I challenge you to not just forget this week to do this. I challenge you to leave from here, decide with your spouse or your partner or whoever you're here with or on your own in your own heart who you're going to do this for. I want you to think of a blended family that you're connected to. I want you to do one of two things. You're going to offer them in support in a very practical way that you know they could use because they're carrying a lot more weight than you're probably even aware of. Or, or maybe and, I want you to encourage them. I want them to hear from you that you love them, that you see them, that you're aware of the life that they're living. You're aware of some of the challenges, the extra challenges that they have. You're not going to say you learned about it at church. You're not going to say someone told me to say this. Just let them know you're paying attention. Let them know that you love them and you care for them. Try that this week. You could change a person's life hearing that from you and knowing that that's true. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do one more song, I believe, and uh, that'll be it for this Sunday. So let me pray, and the band can come up while I'm praying.
Lord Jesus, it is by your grace that you meet all of us where we are at. That's what your grace is. Your grace is that none of us have to come with you, come to you with anything other than who we are exactly as we are. That's, that's what makes it grace. There may or may not be blended families in this room, but there's people who are struggling in their relationships. There's people who are living in secret sin. There's people who are not living the life they feel called to or they feel like you want them to live. There's people who have perspectives, opinions, attitudes that are not of you. There's people who are treating people in negative ways that are not your ways. There, there, there are people in this room who just want to grow in you, want to know you better, want to serve you, want to bless others by living in accordance with you. And they're not doing that. And it's by your grace that you allow us to stop right here and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start here fresh as I am giving myself to you, God. I pray today or this week, I pray for this week for us that we can actually, um, we can think about blended families in a new way and then, and then love them well. Express just simple words or simple action, your love for them. And I pray that that's transformative. It's transformative for us when we start to be your hands and feet and it's transformative for people when they start to experience the hands and feet of God through us. So I just pray that we can do that here in this community, we can bless people in this community, and then ultimately we do all that to honor and glorify you, to point people towards you, not towards us, but towards you. They see you through us, but we then turn it around and point to you, God. That's my prayer for this church and this community. Thank you for this time and this space that we can meet and we can do this together. We do all the things that we do in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.